0: like walking through Wakanda like yeah, a yeah, yeah. Inspector Cluso behind him but yeah. like it's, everything's made of adamantium or whatever Does your dog bite? <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour uh, well, It's going to be in Wakanda <laughs> Everyone turns up waiting for Wakanda forever yeah. and they get a 90 minute movie of Inspector Cluso <laughs> around the ground yeah. pratfalling like, like behind a rock doing this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Steve Martin is in it <laughs> Ezunenberger <laughs> Follow that I am man. <laughs> <Bo. Rock-order. laughs> so, James, I'm um, going to New York in two days. Oh, yeah. Although, by the time this episode airs, I would have already been back from New York. But great. But, um, I'm going to New York, and How I'm wondering exciting. if I should have like had a movie playlist. Like, should I have sat down Ooh. and watched a load of like New York films mm. to get me in the vibe? <clears throat> or do we have any? You know, do you have any like New York film-based there recommendations? Are so many. Um, you should watch Made in Manhattan with mm. Jennifer Lopez yeah, never seen and Ray Fiennes, who yeah. does a rom com weirdly I enough. Know. Yeah. Um, you got the great you got the Good Times, Young Cut Gems, they're very New York y films. Yeah, they're yeah. like the gritty Diamond oh, yeah. District. Oh, gosh, yeah. But you feel like you maybe maybe watched yeah. them recently. Taxi driver. Taxi driver. Um Hey, I'm walking here. What's that from? I'm walking here, yeah. No, no what's that from? Oh, I don't know. What's Midnight from? Cowboy. Oh yeah. Um Which is a set in New York. You can watch the great season of Curb that's set in New York. Oh, I think that's it's the one with Michael one. J. Fox in it. Yeah. yeah he's like he's like is that a shake or a parkinson shake i want to say it's like season eight or nine yeah, yeah i've seen that one that's and a then good the poster, one. poster is the statue of liberty but it's yeah like yeah it's larry david yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's funny that's yeah one. no i mean like there's uh, so many Seinfeld, things coming to friends, mind. friends although friends. you know two shows filmed in la sent new york yeah um yeah. i'd love i'd love to see those uh street lot sets mm. they have in la which are new york yeah where they film just like street sh- street yeah. things and they just have people in them and there's dust and there's wind yeah. and there's all of that i just think it'd be really cool to see those like three building long mm. sets yeah, that that when you like go around the back, it's just like a buttress. It's just yeah. like it's just a one. This is your facade. Or like you go around, yeah, it's just some like plywood being held yeah. up, and there's a bunch of cables there. And yeah. like, what are you doing? And hey, a guy like having a, a Twinkie? Yeah. just Yeah, break. You're not union. <laughs> don't pick that up. Yeah, <laughs> and then that red like light on air. Yeah, yeah. 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 Applause, applause. Yeah. If I don't get my muffin, then it, then it, we're gonna go overtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah do yeah, overtime. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I um uh, I, don't remember, but I have a um. New York playlists on on Spotify, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, and number one of all the songs about New York that have ever been written, the one that's top of the list is the Succession theme tune. No, ah, <laughs> so when you're flying <laughs> in to <Yeah>. New York, <laughs> <laughs> mm. because that's what you see it. You know, you see the Freedom Tower, and um, yeah, who needs Frank Sinatra? The, the, the cool, yeah. like, got, sort of twisty shots yeah. looking up at the skyscrapers. This is where I will make my fortune. Yeah. Mm. We're gonna be fucking war. We're <laughs> no, gonna <be> war, <laughs> war. Anyway, um, I guess your answer is you don't really have any films for me. A West Side Story, but again, that seems very sort of stagey. Yeah, there's just so many. It's like you you can't really go. I well, need to see New York is a movie set. That's what I, I, I would, find. Yeah, I would like to see New York Stories, which is a film that oh. was a three. It's like in three parts, and like one bit was directed by Scorsese, mm. one bit was directed by Coppola, and one bit was directed by Woody Allen. And it's oh, like that's great. Yeah. So I'd like to see I like to see that, and it's called New York Stories. So I'm sure. However, I haven't. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> if you live in New York, and What are you going to eat? if you planned your meals? Oh, oh my God! Uh, yeah, uh, Italian. Uh, yeah. Lots of Italian. Uh, during the day, we're yeah. hoping to do like slices of pizza. Yeah. Maybe make a couple of bagels. Good go street to, pizza. Go to a bodega. Maybe get some. Um, you know, you going to get a cronut? I I've you can get those here. Oh. There's come on, the cronut, though, is it? Yeah, but you can get those here. Okay. Come on. Forget about uh, on it. On. A cronut is a yum-yum. Basically. Yeah. yeah. They, someone, get they get someone, rebrand everything. Someone had a yum-yum where it's like, I will form an entire business over this. <laughs> which makes it yum-yums are amazing. James, we're doing it. We're talking about food we're again. We're talking about food again. It's <laughs> coming back. It's coming back. <laughs> all right. I'll, but anyway, I'll be back from New York soon I'll let you know how it goes. Oh, and actually, I'm also going to Florida, but there's not many films you can really. Th- I think Florida Project. Spring Breakers spring break and that's it from spring breakers that's a great look at all my shit (laughs) look at all my shit (laughs) i don't know any other lines in that film just that yeah just that one that's a film that people said to me they were like you are either gonna love this or hate it and i watched it and i did neither i was actually surprised i was like that's a three and a half for me i I felt like there's a load of symbolism that went right over my head I be- I I believe people when they say it's really good. When people are like it's not that good, I'm like, yeah, I kind of get what do you, you mean. Think, do you think like Sam Levinson took a toke on a massive joint and watched Spring Breakers and went, Pfft. yes, for, for Euphoria went, let's do that, more drugs, more of that, more of that, but better music, younger, more drugs, yeah, less neon, thank you, <laughs> more neon even, yeah, oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I'll have to let you know about my trip when I'm back. <laughs> know that Waka Waka is um, a, c- a cover. Yeah, eh, eh. it was an, an Shakira. Is it like uh, was like cultural yeah. appropriation of the highest regard? No, because like Shakira was like, oh, I, I you know this this lyrics just came to me, and then like when when it came out as the song for the 2010 World Cup, yeah, this group who uh, were from West Africa, but the song had become this 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 group from West Africa had this massive hit in the 80s called like Zambawa, I think it was Zambawa. And, uh, it, it went everywhere. and it became big in Colombia, where Shakira's from. Yeah. I think she probably, un, you know, subconsciously heard it. And uh, if you go and listen to the original song, you're like, that is the, that is 100%. It's the same song. There's no, really? there's no denying it. It's... Wow. Um, it's like when Ed Sheeran gets sued for, like, one of his songs sounding really similar to something and it's, else. Then, but it's there's like, the this the... is like completely black and white, really? right? Um. Anyway, and uh, I think FIFA heard about it and they said to Sony, they were like, you, you do know you need to go and like sort that out because yeah, this is the theme right of the World Cup and so were like okay we'll just we'll give them a credit we'll give them a credit um, I hope they make some good make some good money out of it I hope so too anyway what was Vuvuzela year do you remember when it was like oh, just the whole time watching the World Cup I remember like the first couple of games being like is that not gonna stop? Yeah, just, this drone. just the drone. Whole... You just imagine like the Zela team like outside the yeah. thing, and we're making so much. Yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get like, a Vuvuzela. You get, you a Vuvuzela. get one. Yeah, two dollars. Vuvuzela. Anyway, we're talking. I've talked about. I brought that up because of Shakira, who sung She Wolf, and I was singing it because you said you wanted to talk to me about She Hulk, which is the new Marvel series on Disney Plus. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I've got. I had my lawyer fix with Saul. You need to give me some She Hulk. <laughs> So James I wish the caliber of show were anything Just, to the level Tell of us about She-Hulk. Hulk. What's going on there then? She-Hulk. The first episode of She-Hulk came out this week. And do you, do you remember our conversation we had about Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes and how it tends to have it seems to uh, like bring stuff that's amazing right up to the top, yeah. and then stuff that's really bad yeah. right to the bottom. Yeah. And there's stuff which get no middle reviews, but it's either like praise and people love it, or yeah. people hate it. Yes, that's exactly what's happening with She-Hulk. Some right. people it is being uh, what the internet calls review bombed, right. where people are like really hating on it yeah. for what it's doing. And then there are some people who think this is really good. It's really funny. It's a real like, sort of twist on the Marvel formula. Um, if you didn't know She-Hulk, fairly self-explanatory, uh, it's called She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and it stars uh, Tatiana Maslany as Deputy District Attorney Jennifer Walters. And I think Tatiana Maslany is really well cast in this. I think she's hmm. really good. I and never if, saw Orphan Black. That's what she was big for. Neither from, did I, TV I know, show, right? I know yeah. she's in that. I kind of recognised her face uh, a little bit. And um, I, I think the She-Hulk is in safe hands with her for what they're trying to do. Okay. If you didn't know She-Hulk... Uh, is a variation of the Hulk character, but she has this fourth wall breaking thing where she looks in the camera and she does little um, uh, fleabag-esque quips, Deadpool-esque quips. Mm. And look, it. if you've ever had a, uh, a problem with Marvel-style comedy, mm. you might not get on with She-Hulk. Uh, it's what I've heard other people describe it as, did that just happen comedy? Because uh, like it's typically comedy that where like someone will fall and someone will say did that just happen? Yeah, and it's that's very like reactive instead of proactive. Reactive, yeah. it's like little quips here and there. Um, my, I, I enjoyed my time with She-Hulk, but I just kind of leave this episode and many other series that Marvel are doing, and I'm like, okay, but why? Yes. I'm getting a little bit tired of all of these series coming along, and I kind of am at the point where I just want you to serve the main Narrative. plot. Yeah, yeah. When you release an episode, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't good, but if it's not doing something I think it's really interesting, like WandaVision, where it was like uh, I can I couldn't ignore WandaVision. It was yeah. doing something so different and it was completely like showing me something I'd never seen before, yeah. whilst like in the parameters of Marvel. When I see She-Hulk, I'm a little bit like, I why why are we doing a comedy or a sitcom? Yeah. It's not even full sitcom where I'm like, that's obviously funny. Yeah. I don't think I laughed aloud. Right. Um, just a li- just a little bit about plot, but basically I just I don't I don't mind it, but I'm like why? Why why is it here other than to um, be another thing on you know just Marvel's to, balance sheet? Just to, to pass be the like, time. Yeah, it, we we know we know that they can yes they have a platform now just because they have a platform on Disney Plus why does mean they have to use it for every single bit of tat? When when we when I first heard that Disney Plus was going to be a thing and Marvel was going to do TV shows as well as films, I was so much more excited. Mm. than what we kind of have already yeah. considering like the infinite budget the like the 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 plethora Do of you... characters they could, they could draw from mm. them. a bit like do you think it's like, we're going to do She-Hulk, why? Because TV show, because we're going we yeah, we to do It's whatever. She-Hulk colon attorney at law, which is just like hilarious. <laughs> it's like, no, it sounds Justified. like a confused idea, yeah. Just like basic plot yeah. stuff. She is the deputy district attorney, and you, you open with this scene where she is, uh, as as in human form, delivering like her, her, she's prepping her court case, and she's doing it really well. And our friend goes, "Ah, oh, yes, that's so good. You're going to do so well. And, you know, if it all goes wrong, you can just Hulk out anyway. And then... Then, then, um, then Jennifer Walters just looks at the camera and goes, "I should probably explain what she means by Hulk out." And then you go back into right. what happened. I, I'm, I'm there already. You're there already. And look, the actual the looking down the camera and quipping doesn't happen as much as I thought. It happens maybe two or three times, and I barely, okay. I barely noticed it. But she gets Hulk powers in the most unimaginative way possible. So she's actually the cousin of Bruce Banner, yeah. who play Mark Ruffalo, who plays the character of the Hulk. And they are literally, uh, this isn't a spoiler, it's just so unimaginative. They're driving in a car, and Mark Ruffalo's like, oh, I've got this bracelet that allows me to control when I'm uh, Hulk or when I'm Bruce Banner. A spaceship comes out of nowhere, what? just in front of the rope, don't explain it, and, like, cause them to steer off a cliff. They fall out the cliff, Mark Ruffalo uh, gets car, yeah. cut and bleeds, and just a bit of blood falls into her cut. Now she has Hulk powers. They don't explain the spaceship. Maybe they will, but they didn't explain it. And the rest of the episode just goes on. Uh, and I'm like, that—that's all you could come up with. That is the dumbest thing I think I've how ever she heard. Got Hulk powers. And then the rest <laughs> of the episode is uh, Bruce Banner has built this like really cool seaside retreat that he built with Tony Stark in like this Caribbean island. Do you remember in No Time to Die when James Bond was like living in this like high-tech house in yes. the Caribbean? Bruce Banner has one of those. It's nice. like a, it's like a beautiful tropic on the sea high-tech house. And Bruce Banner is like, listen, like your life has changed now. You you have this gamma Hulk thing within you. Um, you need to learn to control your anger and fear this is a journey that took me 10 years before yeah. i perfected it and even still i struggle and her thing is she says anger and fear those are just the baseline emotions for any woman just existing if i show that i'm angry like someone's gonna like over explain something to me and tell me to calm down and wah, therein lies wah. the uh the, the sort Ratatats, of dichotomy yes yes you know uh, bruce banner can tell all she wants about trying to manage her anger but yeah. it, what a different you know uh, s- set of set of parameters she exists in as yeah. a woman. That all being said, I'm making it sound worse than it is. I think Tatiana Maslani is really good. I Great. think she's really likable and she's really charismatic. And I think there is potential for some like really funny scenes in it. I just didn't really find any of them funny. Yes. And there's these moments where she's like being strong, and the Hulk is like telling her, "Well, you got to get spandex. It's essential." And they're like uh, jumping uh, around uh. and testing each other's powers. And look, uh, she, she's got to go on to point out that she's had a lifetime of suppressing her emotions and making right. herself palatable to those around her. I've just seen one episode, but as I as I reiterate. I don't know why I need this. I don't want to watch 10 episodes of a series, six, eight episodes of a series, only for them to do a whole show about some stuff I don't really care about, and then there's a big character reveal at the end, or this person was behind it all along, or Captain America bursts through the wall, or Iron Man's alive. I don't know what it is. I don't want to spend eight eight episodes just for a payoff at the end for a show, which right now I don't really know why it exists. Yeah, I mean, so this is in the trailer. I mean, I've not seen it, so I I know this isn't a spoiler, because I've not seen it, but like Tim Roth, is he in this one yet? He's not in this episode. Okay, right. And mm. and and this this this, this first episode is basically like here's how I got my powers and how, here's how long is the episode? Uh, forty five minutes. Mm. I think so. Interesting yeah. length for a. Comedy. I want to say forty five minutes. Yeah. Why? 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 Yes. Why? That's what I think I see when I look at it. She Hulk, attorney at law. Lo- it's clunky title. A She Hulk. Sorry, it was thirty minutes. Okay. Thirty minutes. <laughs> but it felt like forty five. Like forty five. <laughs> it it's like. If someone said it's a sitcom, I'm like, is it? Man. It didn't really have sitcom energy. It's like Marvel humor condensed into a couple of montages. And a, as I said, a really boring way to get powers. Uh, yeah. It's like, you've, you're t- I know you're a TV show and you can tell a smaller story, but why is the idea so small? Yes. What? And when, you, when you're called She-Hulk Common Attorney at Law, I can get why well, that's kind of a funny title. But like subvert my expectation with that and then do something yeah. cool. I just Is is um is Jamila Jamil in it? Yeah. Yes, she is. Uh, how's she doing? Uh, she's in it at the very end of the episode, but Who I minds. won't say why in case someone wants to watch it. I'm interested to watch it she bursts so, burst through the wall she literally bursts through the wall right, like so, the Kool-Aid guy at the end of the episode oh okay so, so whereas um, uh, She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall do you know what I'll tell this, I, isn't a, this isn't a spoiler so she she eventually goes on to this court case that she's prepared and she gives this like amazing defense as her human form and then Jamila Jamil in villain clothing bursts through the wall and hits her and she like rages into the Hulk and realizes that like the two worlds are colliding and like yeah. the judges like order or whatever yeah so, yeah. Uh, and that's it. And that's the episode. But you, you have the whole thing with her and Mark Here's the thing, about Jamila Jamil, I she's it, great. She's very charismatic as a person. I always find it interesting from a British point of view because you remember, she was on T, she like presented T4 yeah, like 10 years yeah. ago, and then she moved to the States in a very interesting story, by the way. Should I hear it? I don't know if I know the career movements of Jamila so, Jamil. So, okay, back up, back up, back up. Jamila Jamil, to most people, will know her as being in the, the uh, American sitcom The Good Place, right? Yes, cool. um, which was in for many years and brought her to sort of worldwide audience. But, but prior to that, she was a British TV presenter, not an actor, British TV presenter. The Good Place was her first acting role. To British audiences we we'll, of a certain generation will know her as being on T4, which is yeah. like a spin-off of Channel 4, um, doing like music festivals and like interviewing bands and things like yeah. that. And she was just around, like, all presenting um, like the chart show on Radio 1 as that, well. And in that era, is was one of the few female BAME presenters that you yes. found on TV, which is very rare. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, i am just reminded me that. I remember seeing a, like a TikTok where it's like 10 years ago and, and Jamina Jamil presents the chart show. Right, yeah. And Frankie Boyle does this sketch. She says... Uh, you know, Jamila Jamil hosting the uh, Radio 1 chart show is absolutely groundbreaking. In fact, it would be even more groundbreaking if anyone actually cared. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, she then, uh, from what I can remember of the story that she told in an interview, I believe she had a breast cancer scare. And in the time between going for a test and awaiting the test results, she wrote her bucket list. Wow. and she was about twenty-eight, and uh, which is our age, James. Um, and she was like, "One of the ones things I want to, do? I want to move to America, and I want to like try and be an actress, right?" Mm. And so she just did it. she like she wrote it all down. She made this a plan, and she was going to do it. And then, like four weeks later, her test results come back, and it was fine. But she was like, "Oh no, I've already kind of decided to do this now." So she moves out there, and like she's out there for a. a, a, a she gets very lucky. She's out there for a short amount of time. And she gets to know um, Mike Sure, who people will know, who uh, was one of the writers in the office and, and uh, The American Office, um, cousin Mose in it, and then went off to make co-make Parks and Recreation. Pretty big person to me. Yeah, pretty big person. I think she might have had a TV connection that might have been able to connect them together, or whatever. But she went to a party hosted by mike sure right yeah and he basically said oh we're looking for a character that's of pakistani heritage um who's like from a very um rich background um you know you should come come along and read and she'd never done any acting like before so this is with i think this might be within her first month in la so she goes she reads for it she gets it and then sooner or later give it a couple of weeks she's on set with ted danson and um kirsten bell um And, you know, uh, the rest of the cast. And it's like, what? And then she's in this massive show. Wow. And look, I love Jamila Jamil. Very funny interviewer, great personality and and, and like charismatic Mm. presence as we saw with T4. Um, I felt like she was kind of trapped in the the role in The Good Place because I think it's like she, she... it was because she hadn't done a lot of acting. Yeah. And I feel like the writers then panicked and uh, wrote her into a little corner. And I was oh, like, oh. I see. so what I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not trying to be mean. What I, what I mean to say is now she's part after The Good Place and now she's doing more acting in yeah. a different show. I am interested to watch. Her performance in She Hulk to see how the evolution of Jamila Jamil, the actress, the actor, yeah. is going. In the In the, you know, if she, her ambition was to become an actor, move to LA and do that, which she's now doing, yeah. I'm interested to see how that is going for her. In this Marvel show, which on yes. paper is a huge yes. show. Does that make sense? Completely, yeah. yeah I right. see what you mean. Long way to get about yeah. it, yeah, but yeah, that, t- I you. totally get what you mean. I also, mean, also, she literally said t- one line in episode one of She Hulk, but it. remains to be seen, yeah. I love at the beginning of the next episode, she's like she's like blasted out of sp- into space <laughs> or something. That's <laughs> yeah. the sole sum of her character. And, just and, and she it. when she moved to la she she met james blake the musician and then an item Oh, i like james Blake. yeah and they um they, and they've been together and he wrote a song about her which is really great like it's just sort of like what a, what 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 a spin on the dime of this, uh, this world chance. we live in I know. Hey? you know um, no. so jamila jamil I, I i i like jamila jamil would like to see what how this i is feel going. like i need to watch for jamila jamil <laughs> <laughs> <Team> <laughs> just, jamila. To, just to throw support from the uk um i mean i mean look I just to round off my my points, sure. I don't hate it. I understand why people are angry. Not really. It's not a silly really. Thing to be angry. I think about. I think people. Um, a lot of you know, dumb. Uh, ner- you know, not dumb. No, what I'm saying like dumb. You know. Troll, internet trolls, yeah, male internet trolls, sensationalist, clickbaity people as well. Sensationalist, clickbaity, male internet trolls are taking uh, big punches at this in the same way they took big punches at Captain Marvel. Yeah, and I think also it's, because it's a female-led, the superhero. comedy coming from a from a woman's voice as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel threatened. Oh no. Yeah, uh, I think I will not watch this Anymore. <laughs> I let, Even I think for Jamila. I think, look, I think there's going to be episode, the last episode, to so be like, oh my God, someone, I know this is going to happen. This is how Marvel does their show. Someone's going to come in and they'll be like, oh, that character was there or this or Tim Roth is back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be- I just, I'm going to wait for someone to go, no, actually, James, what they're doing here is really funny or it's yeah. really good. I'm going to need someone to sort of, Really push for me to finish it because this is what point we've been making is that a lot of this Marvel stuff is becoming slightly non-essential. Yeah. Whereas before, towards Endgame, I was like, I want to absorb as much as I can, and every time I, every time I give myself more, it's rewarding. Yeah. You know what I said before about Tim Roth It's just like, really, you're going to do that? Is that like that? Is that the most interesting idea? Maybe. I mean, he's a good actor, Tim Roth. But okay. Well, so you're not going to watch any more. Maybe. Out of curiosity now, yeah. I might watch the first episode. Oh can't but... wait for you to be like, James, I love it. I and Jameela l- Jameela, wow. <laughs> yeah. Give her an Emmy right now. Yeah. Give her, um, her own show. TBC, if you've seen She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and you'd like to let us know your thoughts, then email into hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. And if by like episode five or six in a few weeks' time, I want someone to like shake me and be like, James, you mm. were wrong. You've got to Please watch it. Please give it a chance. You've got to watch it. It's, it's not what you think. All the review bombers are wrong. Um, I would also be very interested to hear arguments for why it's good. Sort of not spoiling too much. But, There's yeah. a She-Hulk in the closet. Oh. See ya. I think Andrew Garfield is properly good at acting. <laughs> Hot take. I think he's Who knew? Uh, and he's actually very versatile. Yeah, he can be. do like quirky, awkward, shy, mm. quipping Spider-Man, swashbuckling. Mm. He can do. I haven't seen Tick Tick Boom, but I think that's like yeah, you know, he's lauded great. for. Did he get nominated for that? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He can do like uber confident, like re- realistic, gritty, modern oh. drama like Ninety Nine Homes. Mm. And I just am like very often impressed with Andrew Garfield. I've just started watching Under the Banner of Heaven, which right. is this new show on Star for Disney Plus. Yes, uh, I don't know if like with the Umbrella. I think. Usually that means it was on Hulu in that States. Yeah. And that he plays sort of uh, a, a Mormon sheriff investigating the murder of someone who's... Someone who's committed a murder and who's part of his own faith. And, you mm. know, it's really sort of questioning like how he views his religion and God oh, and who could, ever, who could ever do something like that. Um, I sort of don't want to put comment on that because I sort of want to see more of it before I, before yeah. I t- speak about it. But I'm just, I'm like, always impressed with him. And then him jumping back into Spider-Man in No Way Home, and mm. I thought I actually felt like he was the best of the three yes. in that film. Yeah, yeah. He made me smile the most yeah. and his films are the worst yeah. of the three. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Of the Spider-Man films. Yeah, no, worst. I agree. I, I see what you're saying because I um, I liked Andrew Garfield. Like when he was coming up, in you know, when he was in Social Network, which was kind never of- Never Let Me Go as well. Uh, yeah, which I never saw, but I know, it's, you know he, he's a great actor. And he was in um, this, uh, this British TV movie called like Boy A about a- uh, right. It's not about witness protection. It's about a boy who commits some violence- and he's a kid, and then he, uh, maybe even wrongly, you know, um, implicit in it, and then uh, years later, that sort of catches up with him. Mm. He won a BAFTA for that, and I remember him at the BAFTA, this is like 2009, maybe, like, or 2008, at the BAFTA TV ceremony, and he was, like, completely shy and, like, barely said any words during his speech, like, completely thunderstruck. Yeah. Uh, And then I think, actually, and I think I remember as well, that afterwards, someone then went to host an award and said something that was slightly, like, Took the piss out of him because basically Andrew no, Garfield really. rocked up and he was wearing like his very skinny black tie that was of the era yeah. and it was like disheveled and he was like, oh yeah, you know, you know something. And then I think someone rocked, up. it might have been James Nesbitt, but don't quote me, it was it, somebody was just like, yeah, and you young guys who rock up with your skinny ties, you know, not even done up to you, but you know, top oh, button. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was James Nesbitt actually, but whatever. Anyway, and then he was in that and he was a social network and he was great and then he was cast as <gasps> Spider Man. And you know, I only saw the first Amazing Spider-Man, but but yeah. you know, got as you said, he'd be great and quippy. And then you know that the, the news that came out in 2015 that it was like, there's no more Spider-Man for Andrew Garfield. You're out. Yeah. We're going to Marvel, and we're recasting it, and it's Tom Holland. And I yeah. I I really felt for Andrew Garfield. I really felt like, yeah, you poor guy, you've been just like dumped by the by the machine, yeah. and and coughed out, and you're just like on the garbage heap. You're you're yesterday's news. And I know that the Spider-Man experience was quite. Um, strange for Andrew Garfield, and you know, because I know he was a very big Spider Man fan when he was younger, and there's in one of the Hollywood round tables, he was really young as well. Like yeah, he was, was very, very young thing. when he was um, on one of the Hollywood round tables. He, he spoke about, you know, making them and then going to see them and being like, What is yeah. this? No, and having it like. I can't imagine in front of what eyes. that's like. Uh, yeah, you I mean, know, I, like you work on something for so many months and you wait and you go back for like reshoots and, and the image you of you tri- what it is in your head. Yeah, yeah. and you, you train for it as well because you yeah. have to like get fit for that. There's so much that goes goes through that. Yeah, and, and he's and he's talking about it and he's talking actually with Dev Patel and Dev Patel was basically right. making the same anecdote about the last Airbender, yeah, which, which was which like his I've first not big. Seen, big but no, but like I've for heard. him, Dev Patel, he'd like come off the back of Slumdog, who's like going to make this big massive movie that he'd never made before, a big blockbuster, big CG. And then he sees fest. it and he's like, "Holy shit! What a what a part of nothing." Yeah, and. And that's what Andrew Garfield felt. But then what I liked is that it's like he took stock and he just went off and did his own projects in a smaller scale and in his own way. I mean, I think even there's a lot of people that you said, oh, Andrew Garfield, they probably wouldn't know his name, but you might say, oh, the guy was just Spider-Man. They might yeah. get it, right? And then he was in, like, Silence. Silence, yeah. Uh, did you see that? I did see that, yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a that's bit a, of a slog. Um, that's a slog of a film. Yeah. It really is uh, a task to sit through. Yes. And I don't... I think it think it is, s- is a test of faith, literally, <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. watch that film. It's, like, a very well but slightly overacted piece. <laughs> yes. You've got a- 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 Adam Driver, who's good, even, yeah. like, in a bad film, Best he's good like in and everything. Generation. And... Him and Andrew Garfield like go to Japan to find the person who's basically like given up their faith. Yes. and there's a lot of very intense dialogue. Yes, but why would Father do that yes. in this world? Yes, it is. And I don't understand. Why do I don't understand why you would do that in this place and what what. And yeah. it's just very like breathy, raspy, beautifully shot. Uh, yeah, uh, of course, Scorsese Mar- Mar- film. Of course, but and yeah, also done with. Um, they are from Portugal, so they slightly speak with a slight. Uh, oh, yeah, it was. We a are speaking bit, English, but we have the Portuguese uh, inflection slightly, but yeah. to, to indicate that we are not from England. And they're very like skinny and sort yes. of stuffy p- Pope types. The prep, um, though, if you ever hear about the prep on that that movie, oh. I think him and Andrew Adam Driver went to like a retreat. Because um, Adam Driver got very thin, and he's a Adam yes. Driver c- yeah. carries a lot of muscle. Uh, he, they went out and they like spent time in a. Um, Uh, I think it was because they're Jesuits in the in the in the film, and I wonder if they were. I think they might have gone to like a Jesuit retreat or something. But they did something very very um, grueling uh, in, in in the preparation. That was like, whoa, that's that's commitment. Which again, like you spend that much time doing it, and you're in that retreat, you're just thinking about the film, yeah. thinking about the character. That's chatting with Adam Driver. When you do all day. that project, that project is your life. Yeah. And then you f- get off that project, and you have a week off. That's two hours of your life. And then you, and then you on another project. Yeah. You're in a different world with different people, you just hand it over. And you may never see those co-stars again. You may never work with them again. That yeah. family you've made is 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 there. And you mm-hmm. can understand why, like seasoned actors, are maybe a little bit emotionally det- detached on set because they're like, I've done this so many so times. So many times. Yeah. By the way, on that, just you just reminded me of an anecdote that um, Mark Maron mentioned on his podcast about the way that actors find it hard to shake a character once they yeah. once they've just done it. James nearly just yeah. knocked <laughs> his water over, and the then, then then it would have been your turn, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and he talks about going to see Pacino in like open air theater about like six weeks after he. I think I don't think Scarface was even out yet, but it was, but. It was clear in retrospect that the Pacino had just finished making Scarface, yeah, and was going to do, I think, Shakespeare. Wow. And Mark Maron was like, "I'm sure I was watching like Tony Montana in yeah. Romeo and Juliet." <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, there was definitely a Look, little bit of "Hey Ma, I've the potatoes." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, Which is just, just quite funny. And um, anyway, so back to Andrew Garfield. So, Silence was good. I'm trying to think what other ones he came out of that era. 19 Homes was about 2015-ish, maybe. Uh, yeah. I will say that even though Amazing Spider-Man 1 is better than Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think Andrew Garfield is better in Amazing Spider-Man 2 than in 1. And I think there is, that's a flawed film, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and it's a bit messy and busy. But I do think, like, when Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield are acting across from each other, they are really playing it like it's a very intense romance drama and i don't think it's misplaced like they're really like stuck with this love and um she wants to go to college somewhere and they decide to break up but they like can't break up so they keep seeing each other which feels like you know like modern relationships like you never want to leave them yeah well and of then, course they had genuine chemistry obviously yeah. real life yeah, electric really good, chemistry they were d- dating in real life and of and course she's a fantastic actress herself and, so yeah absolutely, absolutely. i'd almost love to have seen a better film with emma stone and andrew garfield a real drama a New like York an drama. actual real a real film yeah so um silence is one of them he also of course made Paxil Ridge, oh De- Desmond Darnes. I was thinking, what was the one other, more like... More I know. I Just one more, more. lord. <laughs> Just one more. That is a stinker. I that know. That is a real <laughs> yeah. stinker. But some people love that. And I guarantee you, there are people listening to this right now who are like, no, no, I love Hacksaw Ridge. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm with you, James. Honestly, I've not heard anyone else talk about that film apart from me and you since I've seen it. I've <laughs> right. not seen anyone else go, that film Hacksaw Ridge, where's, who talks about that film now? Uh, my, girlfriend, my girlfriend has a friend and it's her, it's, it's, you know, girl, which is interesting not guy. Yeah. her favourite film. Oh my God. Yeah. Favourite film. It's a Mel Gibson directed film as well, yeah. isn't it? And that yeah. was just like, oh, okay, so Mel's back. Then we're all fine with him being a bit, you know, uh, he's doing an unsavory things. character. Yes, very intense, well shot. Technically exciting film, awfully but written the dialogue, dialogue. And like, do you remember the the kiss scene when he says goodbye before he goes to war? Like they're standing on the on the top of a hill, and the sun is like between. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I remember I, when you talked to me at the time. And you were like, it was a river of cheese. Yes, it was like like bathing in a fondue of cheese. It felt like you. Have you seen Pearl Harbor? Yes. Like yeah. that is really cheesy and more cheesy than you remember because who's watching Pearl Harbor in the last fifteen years? Exactly. But that that gave Pearl Harbor a run for its money. And God, it made, and that was made like 15 years later. That's and a and that's Michael no Bay film. Who's, the, who's, the, who's the actress in that? The, the woman? Kate, in, in, Kate in, Beckinsale. Oh, no, sorry. Haxel Ridge. Haxel Haxel Ridge. Ridge. Is it... Uh, is, no, it's not. Is it, um, is it Blake Lively? No. It is... T- Teresa Palmer, Palmer, who I always get confused with Blake Lively. Her, <laughs> right, okay. Her, Teresa Palmer, and Amber Heard, I always think of the same people. Right, okay. Um... Anyway, yeah, I, Desmond, if, if anyone's oh, defending Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, I would love to hear from you and no judgment. I, I, like, yeah, be, like, I genuinely would like to know why how it works. Uh, I'd love to know if I'm missing something or if I'm just an emotion a heartless bastard for not I, I think you can it. get more out of Forrest Gump than uh, than Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. I think I genuinely think that. I and mean, that's the performance of Andrew Garfield's where I'm like, he's really going for it and what he's doing is feel like accurate yeah. to what he has, but you can't it can't be saved. He matches that he as as a good actor will he yes. the the match the tone of the movie. Do you know what I remember that though? It's like the first half, and it is just such a long first oh, half. Really where it's is. like, I don't know, I'm I'm objecting, and I don't want to go to war. And I'm like, we know you go to Hacksaw Ridge because yeah. that's what the movie is called. should have been minutes. And it's like this very bucolic, like, you know, Hallmark channel movie, just say, and then like mel gibson just like goes mental and, and it's like now we're at war bro but guy's face saving exploding yeah, like the scene, yeah, and it's like oh, it's, it's like a very like amateur attempt at saving private ryan and like the, the blood is like um i think it's cgi blood or whatever oh, and uh, there's like jump scares like a corpse will jump up and be like ah and i'm <laughs> like what he's just got, the gear change is amazing bad yeah um that's like the one time i saw something in a cinema and like had to genuinely stop myself laughing for like out of respect for other people who are watching it because it's not like polite laughter that's funny it's like i could be ruining this for someone else look i'm sure there are people listening who do actually really really like like haxel ridge Ridge. do let us know um just moving on but but i'm aware that some people do like it i'm I'm happy to have my mind changed really happy but i was pretty sure when i watched it it's got 8.1 on imdb fuck off (laughs) (laughs) that is ridiculous oh my god um, you this watch. is gonna be like when we, we we very 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 vaguely put the first top gun down and people like oh lost my God their minds. when we if you don't know when we broke out uh, we, we watched the original Top Gun before maverick because neither of us had seen it we thought it'd be good to see it and we really enjoyed watching it and like we broke up clips that went on social yeah. media and like our overall verdict was top Gun it's not that this is awful but we were like wow isn't this a byproduct of its era yeah it's like a big advert male yeah. power fantasy right. which is like the take that pretty much everyone has when you're yeah. watching Top Gun in the 2020s right and we all of a sudden got absolutely lambasted from this new audience that we don't have which is like white gen x men with a confederate flag in 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 their picture or like holding a rifle with an alsatian in like missouri yeah and we just got like you like and then all sorts of slurs about like how we're like modern snowflakes don't understand these limp-wristed men yeah um and it was just like, oh my god, this means a lot. Yeah, to some, some people. people. I mean, but we, I mean, I mean, we were we were kind of laughing because we like, this is we barely even criticised it. Criticized and also it. to be accused of being a snowflake by someone who is so overriled by the faintest of criticism against yeah. a, a film from 37 years ago, yes. which is me. like, I know people have a, have like a place for it in their hearts, but I would never say it's like regarded as one of the great films of all time. No. Do you know what I mean? No, it's it's it, it's it's just. It's not like we used to watch Citizen Kane and went like, Whoa. Of course, not A bit slow. Of... Bit of an ad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a bit homoerotic. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to... Right. By the Are way, you, you, should, you should watch... Never Let Me Go. I will... That's I will... a really fantastic... Uh, Keira Knightley is one. It's one of the yes. best. It Knightley's best. Uh, oh, that... Because that doesn't get said a lot. Because I know someone who just watched... Uh, I know someone. It's my girlfriend. She just watched The Aftermath with uh, oh. Keira Knightley and she was like, not a good Keira Knightley. Oh, like, shame. I feel like... Every Keira Knightley movie is a referendum on whether she can act. Yeah. <laughs> like, referendum. a referendum on whether she <laughs> we're can act. Have a proper debate. Yeah, about and then like so, like if you ever seen Official Secrets, yeah, she comes out of that quite well. But apparently oh, the aftermath. I no, I haven't seen Official Secrets. Do you want to keep going through Andrew Garfield's filmography yeah, while well, we're not? talking about also, it? Also, Carey Mulligan getting everything. She's Never Let Me Go. Oh, but yeah. Yes, sorry. and Donald Gleeson. Donald Gleeson. Who I told you? Oh my God, I saw filming a scene. You did see filming a scene. It could yeah. have been. I could have told you that at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, but, uh, there you go. Anyway. Um, Okay, so then, uh, so while we're trying to long out content, tell me about when you saw Donald Gleeson. Yeah, you know what, I will for for the fans. back <laughs> home. sorry, there's a pub near my office, and uh, I just popped out for like a bit of fresh air. Um, uh, it's the Seckford Pub in Clerkenwell, very nice Ooh, pub. A dossier now. Yeah. Um, what? Your fans are gonna try and find you there. There he is! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all, all yeah. one of them. Yeah. Um, and I and I walked past, and it was very quiet. I was like, why is it so quiet? And sat mm. outside was Donald Gleeson and I believe Andrea Riseborough, oh. filming a scene, and you know uh, there was all the crew around them with their face masks on, and yeah. they had their, lamp up and they, they were just going through stuff with either the director or the script supervisor just on the set yeah I just leaving that they were, they were there at the thing just talking about it and i was like that's unmistakably donald gleason wow um and <laughs> i just <laughs> and i just stood there for a bit and watched because yeah. you could and like i wasn't bothering them i stood from far away took a picture I always have a look at a big set on the street. Yeah, it's as fantastic. My I love right it as a citizen. And you know, there's, you know, there's the AD over there, there's the Spark. Doing I like to see what there. camera they're using. I was thinking about it, and I was like, this looks like it's going to be a uh, generic, uh, very depressing British film directed by Lenny Abrahamson, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like about a man will cry in this one. Yeah, an <laughs> Irish man moves to London, and uh, yeah, it's um, not like home. Pain. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was exciting. I always like to see. Well, it's not just cool. to see a celebrity, but see actually see a movie in action. A lot of stuff gets filmed around there. Actually, a lot. I see, I see a lot of movie trucks. I recently uh, was on a run through my area, and Charlotte Ritchie was yes. uh, sitting in like those classic director chairs with like the cross. Yes, they've got like the name of the person on them, and I was just walking through, and someone with a head and a clip but it was like sorry do you mind just waiting because we're just filming but it was really that confusing is, can I say that is the accurate film that is exactly how people talk is yeah. not on film set. excuse exactly. me please and I was like breathless in my <laughs> what <laughs> and then what was really confusing is they had modern extras in contemporary clothing walking through so it didn't look like right that's hence why they had the person and then I waited for five minutes and then she was like okay Okay, yeah, you can come through now. Okay, great. And then I went through, and you could just walk through the set. So, like, while they weren't rolling, they had tents and seats and, like, monitors and stuff on either side of the pavement, but like while they weren't rolling, you could just walk about your business and then they would shut off the traffic wow. to roll. So I just walked through and there was like food trucks. There was like a tent with monitors where I assumed the director was like monitoring thing. There was makeup. There was like, it was a set. Could you have blended in like gone up to the food truck and been like, yeah, just two drinks. Easily. To if I was hungry, I could easily got a sandwich and like a cherry tomato. Nice. And like, but then I walked through and then I just on my right, is Charlotte Ritchie just getting her makeup. Like someone's literally just like Mm. doing her hair and then she's like, stands up, like pulls her jeans up, gets ready to go and goes in for another one. I'm just like, that's Charlotte Ritchie. They're filming. There's like a huge camera on a jib, Mm. like massive, like sort of movable crane thing. And it's going on, but it's very open set. This conversation is, is massively tangential, but I'm now going to jump off on one about Charlotte Ritchie. Because Go for it. Um, so she was in the TV series Fresh Meat to British yes. audiences. That's how we know her. I d- she's a British TV actress, really. She's not really known to wider international audiences. Yeah, fair. It does. But um, I really like Charlotte Ritchie because she's in two shows that are really great. One is called Ghosts, which is this like um, comedy, like um, classic British sitcom comedy oh. um, made by the Horrible History team. That's on BBC Two, and I stumbled across it during lockdown, and it became like my like heartwarming favorite. And it's like this flat share comedy where a woman like she inherits this massive mansion with her boyfriend. She hits her head, and then is able to see all these ghosts that live there, and there are ghosts from every single nice. like time period. You've got a caveman, you've got a Tory politician who died in the nineties, and a yeah, sex yeah, scandal. You've got yeah, it, it's very fun. And what they basically pitched it as it's like it's like a flat share comedy, but you're, she's sharing the flat with. All these people from different periods of history, yeah. and you get to know this ensemble cast of characters and their histories and how they died, and and so over successive episodes, you're like, oh, I'm looking forward to jumping back in with all those people again and their little home they've oh, created. Yeah, yeah. You've got this very sort of odd family unit for me, and she's in that. And she's you know she's great, and it's it's a really wonderful show. It's got um, well, it's got loads of people. In it. It's got um, uh, Simon Farnaby who like writes Paddington. You'll recognise okay. if you saw a picture. Anyway, but. Charlotte Richie is also in a fantastic series on Netflix called Feel Good, um, which I think okay. the first series was on Channel Four, and then it wasn't going to picked up again, and then it was uh, picked up by Netflix, and it's finished now. It's just two seasons, and it's a, a show by Mae Martin. Um, sort of Mae Martin's doing very well at the moment. Yeah, they you know, are doing. Uh, they are, and um, they're very funny, and I think it's about their experience, um, uh, slightly uh, semi autobiographical, but like. It it begins, and uh, I'm really just going to tell you now. I know this conversation is tangential. We'll get back to Andrew Garfield a bit. It's a tangential episode. (laughs) Um, And uh, Charlotte Ritchie has gone to see Mae Martin perform at a comedy club, right? Mm And, she, and Charlotte Ritchie is just loving it. She's standing them to the audience. And she's just like, uh, uh, she is really clearly fascinated yeah. and, and attracted to Mae Martin. And Mae Martin also recognises that like Charlotte Ritchie is the only person laughing in the audience. And Charlotte Ritchie's friend isn't really into it. She goes home. And then after the show, like Mae Martin comes out and they sit and they have a drink together and they get chatting and then they get drinking and they really like each other. And then they kiss and then they go back. To her flat, and they just begin this like amazing, like spontaneous romance, yeah. and it's and it's wonderful. And at the end of the episode, first episode, like you're just so invested in this, in this, like oh my god, wow, this is happening. Yeah. And at the end of the first episode, you realise that um, Charlotte Ritchie's character, um, this is the first relationship she's ever had with a woman. And she's right. not. And she's not out to her friends. Yeah, this is very new to her. And you also realize that Mae Martin's character has um is a recovering drug addict as well. Right. And okay. Has addiction issues and is and is in is clean and is trying to stay clean. And, and it's oh, that's and true about Mae Martin's life as well. Yeah. She right. Was, yeah. So that that's so the, you, oh, cool. the episode ends up like oh that's really interesting and dynamic, and then um that series happens and then the second series follows a slightly like different storyline, but it's, but honestly I was so. Oh, it's so good and written really well. And Lisa Kudrow oh, plays wow, her mum in America, um, uh, Canada. Sorry, she's Canadian. So she plays her, her mum in Canada. And just a really, you really, you know what I love is is something that's like walks that really fine line between tragedy and comedy. Yeah. And you have scenes that are like painful and, and really emotional that are also very funny at the same time. Yeah. Um, and witty. Brilliant. Do you dislike the film Funny People, the Judd Apatow film? I've only seen it once. Yeah. Does what all dread Episode films does? I know just, uh, it's too, long, too long, but you know what? I remember at the time going, "Huh." I remember not being able to take my eyes off it, but acknowledging it was too long. Yeah, <laughs> but like just uh, a similar note. I don't know why that just came into my head, but I really like that film because I'm sure there are others that have done this, but it really showed me. Like, what socializing in LA would have been like when you're encountered with like really huge established stars in mm-hmm. their mansions, and then like a bunch of other people, like, all scrapping to try and make it in comedy. Yeah. And like that sense that everyone's trying to, like, I'm doing a show, I'm trying to, like, do stand up for the first yeah, time, yeah. I'm being mentored by, like, this huge person. And I just thought, like, that was quite an interesting mm-hmm. film. It is too long. But, but there was something really honest about its, no, its yeah. dialogue, and it's a different it's it's a very out there different performance from Seth Rogen, and mm. obviously Adam Sandler's Sandler yeah. doing like that thing he does, so I think it's, a lot of people have said, but he's way more versatile than people give him credit for. Totally. But that film, I was really like, oh, I can't stop watching this. I think also as well because it was billed and advertised as a big dumb loud yes. comedy from Super John Hurt, knocked up, yeah. yeah. And then when you watch, it, it's actually like you know because the premise is that he's got cancer. Adam yeah. Sandler's character is it's a a lot more subtle than. And then, and I remember... It's all about about fame and what it means to be admired for being funny. And there are funny moments, but I remember watching thinking, oh, this is more interesting than I gave it credit for when I actually threw it on. And and Eric Banner turns up for a great little bit and obviously Leslie Mann's in it. Um, Yeah, I don't mind that. I'd probably watch it again. I think I've seen it twice. Okay. I I remember watching it on TV for the first time and just being like, this is... John Apatow films are all kind of like, oh there's maybe something more in that than I thought. That's interesting. Yeah. It's still going. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's still there. I always liked Trainwreck, actually. Did you see that? Yeah, I've seen Trainwreck once, yeah. I, I Yeah, me too. But I really enjoyed it at the time. I think I was the only person I know who did. But I- I'm constantly like when... When my girlfriend's like, I'm really hungry, and Phil Hayden has this basically like, well, like a- Amy Schumer's like, she's really sick, and she's she like, you it. know, it's just really hard because like, I haven't eaten anything today, and he's like, okay, he's like, yeah, like all I had was like a coffee and <laughs> a bagel, yeah. and and then I had some yogurt, yeah. and then just like a salad, and he's like, right, so you had breakfast, lunch, <laughs> and a snack, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I always say that to my girlfriend whenever she's like hungry, <laughs> she's just been eating well, all day. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I do like it. So then he, um, well, okay, I'm skipping ahead a bit because we had yeah. TikTok, boom but I'll get back to TikTok boom in a second. The other films he makes after that are Breathe in 2017. That was Andy Serkis' directorial debut about yeah. um, um, Robin Cavendish, who was like um, uh, paralyzed, he was a paraplegic, I think, and, um, and his wife cared for him. It was with Claire Foy. It was like a period piece. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how good that is, but whatever. Then he was in Under the Silver Lake, which I have not seen, which was the directorial follow-up to It Follows, right? Oh. Yes, oh i do remember this film. by david robert mitchell and it was regarded as like some people compared it to mulholland drive and how, how much it split people but it's like okay. this weird satire commentary three hour long um for grace like, um Pinchon-esque exploration of la and some people were like no thank you i don't like that at all and some people were like oh i really see what this is doing this is different i'm gonna go for it i haven't seen it many because the runtime. But I loved it follow so I think it's about time that I actually went back Ooh, and yeah. watched Under the Silver Lake. Okay. He was also in a film um from one of the Coppola's He was also in a Gia Coppola film called Mainstream where he's like uh, which is also with Maya Hawke and Nat Wolf, and that is about uh three p- people struggle to preserve their identities as they form an eccentric love triangle within the fast moving internet age. Um that only has five star on IMDb, not that I rate IMDb, okay. but also I have I've heard that's a very very messy film. But Andrew Garfield gives a very committed performance. Then he was take it, the ratings with a pinch of salt. Absolutely. Then he was in The Eyes of Tammy Faye which came out this year which John, Je- Jessica Chastain won an Oscar for. Again, yeah. I have not seen it. Mm. I, I hate to keep saying that phrase. I have not seen no. it. There is a finite amount of time. i like, have seen of, a lot of films. One right? of my points that I like as an overall for this conversation today is that like Andrew Garfield for me is a draw to go and see a film. Yes. Yeah, there's still some things I haven't seen of his. Um, but clearly very versed on different all these ones. And then mm. yes, uh, 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 he kind of had this I feel like from that moment I said I felt sorry for him and uh, when he got dumped from Spider-Man. Yeah. he and, and he found his way back because last Christmas, it was like his moment. Not only did he come back in No Way Home, but he also had Tick, Tick, Boom out at the same time, Oscar yeah. nominated. And it was like, Andrew Garfield, man of the moment. It's like fans and critics. So Tick, Tick, Boom, for those who don't know, for those who didn't see it, it uh, was a film on Netflix uh, about Jonathan Larson that Lin-Manuel Miranda made. Who's Jonathan Larson? I didn't know either. Jonathan Larson was a... Um, Uh, a a passionate uh, musical uh, aficionado who wanted to write the next best musical and he was an up and coming and he wrote several musicals. One, his first one was called Tick, Tick, Boom. The second one was um, uh, called something else and his last one most famously was Rent. Which I've never seen. And I I didn't know this, but uh, but it is kind of told at the very beginning of Tick, Tick, Boom. And I think I can just say this. Mm -hmm. Um, The sad thing about Jonathan Larson is that he was this up and coming talent and he... He made Rent, which... which really went, struggled as well. Which, yeah, a very struggled, which is what the film's about. Uh, 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 Rent went on to be one of the longest-running Broadway shows, yeah. uh, won loads of awards and was fantastic. But he died. He didn't get to see it. He died the night before it opened um, of, a, of um, an aortic aneurysm, um, which is just unbelievably tragic, yeah. unbelievably tragic. And what Tick, Tick, Boom is about... What is that? What did you say? Unleavely... I think it's an aortic aneurysm. Like I'm an not attack? a dog. I don't think I should... People can a heart-related issue, yeah. No, it's no. It, it, well, it just, is heart. yes, but I'm not... I, okay, I, fine. I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm 80% sure it was an aortic aneurysm, but I don't want to labour it because fine. I'm not accurate on that information, gotcha, okay? Gotcha. What Tick Tick Boom is about well is not written. only an adapta- adaptation of the musical Jonathan Larson wrote, which is about a struggling musical writer yeah. working at a diner in New York. It is both that musical, but it is also the biography of Jonathan Larson working as a struggling musical writer in New York working yes. at a diner, right? So they've just basically kept his name. Yeah. So it's the story of Jonathan Larson trying to write Tick, Tick, Boom, basically. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's, um, you know, I, I, I think if you to really enjoy the film, you actually have to know Jonathan Larson's work and have to, to know Ren a bit more closely. Like right. my girlfriend, she knew Ren and she absolutely loved this film. I was less close to it, but as we began this conversation saying, Andrew Garfield gives such a committed performance. He mm. sings very well. He just completely- he's Doing like, something very different. He, he completely occupies the space that's given to him. That's yeah. what I think works with all of his films. Like he's like, he's given a space, work within it. No Way Home, minor character comes in, but he works within that tiny frame that he's given. Yeah, You know, when he went in, in No Way Home, but even in you know, that, that first scene where he arrives and he's like on the oh. wall, it's so funny. The it, dramatic it, tension when he walks in, he's like- Okay. okay, and he's trying to figure out what's going on as well as the audience. It's it's brilliant. And you know, the sad thing is, you know, no disrespect to Tobey Maguire, but like when Tobey Maguire walks in, no, Tobey Maguire is not the world's very, strongest actor, and very, against, especially you, against Andrew Garfield. It's uh, what they did with Tobey Maguire in that scene is that like Tobey Maguire's Spider Man is way more awkward than Tom Holland's and Andrew Garfield's, and I think yeah. they lent into that and put him as this like overly stoic and calm. Mild, presence, mannered, yeah. mild mannered mild mannered present he's like yeah i guess you just kind of figure it out was like all he kind of mm. said mm. but Andrew garfield was like had this sort of in his 30s confidence yeah. had the weight of a tragedy but like was still young and was like i was really like keeping up to keeping up with Zendaya and Jacob Batalon um and it, yeah, it just it, it, he's electric on the screen straight away mm. uh but yeah that whole thing about him learning to sing for that role is crazy it's like how um Miles Teller for Whiplash didn't play the drums before.
1: No, he and did a little bit, didn't he? Oh, did he? And then I think he just practiced bullshit that he did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I,
0: think I could bullshit. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he didn't know how to fly a plane before Topic Gun Maverick. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so you could, you could use that as an example. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, and then we bring us up today back to the Under the Banner of the Heaven. That has been a very, very tangential, discursive look at only the recent films of Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Inter- intercut with random bits of other information random about other, other things. But I think what we can conclude is. Andrew Garfield, phenomenal talent, as yeah. you're right. And Sorry, I we haven't seen more of your films, and I and I really look forward to seeing him in more because it's clear uh, he he's incredibly versatile. Mm. Mm. And he he's got he can do the small eye thing. He does very small eyes, like, ah. and he does like, lots of like little moments where it's like you can tell there's something going on in his mind. It's funny actually when I'm thinking about Tit Boom, in all of his performance there is a theatricality to him, isn't mm. it? Like he he's a very good film actor, but it there is that stagey. kind of stagey theatricality yes. to what he does. Mark. You know, from the social network. Yes. You, know how- you know. You know how um, Mark Mark Rylance is very subtle, but he's very he very like really telegraphs what he's doing. Mm. It's like you know exactly you know exactly yes. what he's communicating. Yet it's still withdrawn. Yeah. And it's not. It, like that—that's what I feel. It lies in the heart of a really good actor. Mm. Like you don't need to sheet scream and shout and like overly posture yeah. yourself to make your point. But yeah, I know exactly what we're trying to communicate. Like in Dunkirk, when mm. those little moments that he says, like Le- "Leave him alone, George," yeah. you can tell what he—that kn- he knows yeah. that you he shouldn't. He's really press the wisdom man in his who's eyes. Been in war. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, Andrew Garfield, if you are listening, we'd love to have you on and talk to you about your career more. I'm, yeah, sure, I'm sure. I know you, you're listening. Andrew. We will we'll squeeze you in. We we got time and uh, don't worry, it'll happen. If you like Andrew Garfield or any other actors and think mm. we should go back and if there are any Andrew Garfield films that we haven't seen that you have and think they're great, or if there are any other actors you think, oh my god, we'll, we'll talk about that filmography, let us know. And if you love silence, the Scorsese us know film. Again. Scorsese yes. silence I didn't, of, not not didn't just just silence dislike it. From this podcast. Yeah. Please, <laughs> guys, try it sometime. <laughs> yeah. You might learn something. <laughs> Okay, that was that then. James, do you have anything else to say? Not at all. Thank you very much. James, just before you do emails, I just also read that he's going to play Richard Branson in in Uh, the new film, Andrew Garfield. What's it called? What's the film called? Hot Air. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Because I think it's going to be about the famous. Balloon thing that happened with Richard Branson. Do you know the story about that? He'd like to to race around the world in a a hot air balloon. It kind of sounds like Richard Branson. Anyway, emails. That'd be good. That sounds good. Right. Yeah. Let's do some emails. Uh, If you wanted to email into the show, you can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Just like Catherine did. Hi, James and George. I was curious if you ever consider film tests such as Bechdel, DuVernay, or Vito Russo before deciding to watch a film or after watching a film. I often find myself, and the one mate I go to see every movie with, leaving the cinema and discussing whether or not the film passed them or not. The latest Batman, The Batman, I thought didn't pass Bechtel. Then my mate pointed out that it might have been one glimpse of it, not sure if the other woman Zoe Kravitz talked to is named or not, and then found myself even more annoyed that if it had passed, it did so because of one minuscule Mm. scene. This isn't to say I don't enjoy films that don't pass these tests. Multiple Harry Potters fail, Mm. fail, for instance. That's interesting, I didn't know that. Um, And then Autumn Staple at this point. But I do tend to find myself rolling my eyes a bit at newly released films that don't pass these tests. Hmm. Um, just before I read the rest, the Bechdel, we'll get into yeah. the other ones, but the Bechdel test is, as we so, know... So, yeah, it was um, uh, sort of coined in, in one of her comic strips by the uh, comic artist, um, Alison Bechdel. Yep. And essentially, the Bechdel test is this. Does the film have uh, more than one named female character? Um, do they have a conversation with each other? And is that conversation about something other than men? Yeah, that's the very sort of broad. And there is a shockingly low, the, low of number numbers, of that. Uh, numbers that films which have passed that. And test. it's a very pithy and wise uh, lens with which to view some films at some times. Yes. Do you want me to answer the other ones as well? Okay, yes, go into the other ones. So DuVernay, which comes from Ava DuVernay, who was a black filmmaker who made 13th and Selma and much else besides. Um, I mean, like, she also made other stuff. The film wasn't called as much else besides. (laughs) Um, So a bit like how the Bechdel test is about the representation of women on screen. The DuVernay test is about the representation of people of color on screen. And the Vita Russo one is about the representation of LGBTQ plus people on screen as well, right? So to answer Catherine's question, how do we feel about tests like that? Like I I just said about the Bechdel test, I I agree, I think there's sometimes really interesting ways with which to view uh, films. Obviously, there are some films that by their construction and often based on a true story, can't fail the Bechdel test. So obviously Harry Potter, not based on a true story, but Harry Potter fails. The one I always think of is like Captain Phillips, right? Captain Phillips, a good film, very solid film, great film. Fails the, fails the Bechdel yeah. test. 13 Lives, I'm sure, fails the Bechdel test, yeah. right? Yep, yeah, sure. Um, But it's more to call out um, you know how poorly represented uh, female characters are. So we're talking about the Batman there. I agree. In a, in a film which... I it, know the scene you mean, but I don't... The fact that what, you can't remember the name is also yeah, quite telling. The fact that the film invokes the spectre of uh, like abuse and violence against women, yeah. but does not then cre- create a space for women, female characters to sort of discuss that. Yeah. Um, just to be clear it's not like it doesn't matter if the character has a name it's whether yes. or not after watching the film you can tell me what the character's yes, name exactly. is exactly right? yeah um and i think i think there's slightly like yeah so how do, how um, how do we feel about the test um the only thing i'll say about the test is that i think i would never use it to measure like i, f- I would never use it to be the 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 final measurement of a film's quality yeah like I would never say I'm only because that watch beca- films that pass yes because that film passed the Bechtel test I would fail I would obviously I'm very aware that you and I are talking about this as yeah. straight white men yeah but um, I would never want to not see something purely because it fails the bechtel test I think it's just more uh, uh, an interesting way and, and a way of holding films to a to a higher standard and a higher, higher account yeah um, I think there are certain films where there are big missed opportunities to, to have better representation of all. And when you come to like Russo um, test with um, LGBTQ plus representation, it's like, it's more than just having a character just... Um, saying they're gay or being a minor character, being like, "Oh, that's the gay character," isn't yeah. it? It's more than just tokenism. Um, what do you have to say about it? Yeah, I, I feel the same. I'm never going to not watch a film because it doesn't pass. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think I look out. I'm looking out for films that pass it. But I'm mm. always like, yeah. What? I'm always shocked by how 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 little a film will pass it. Yeah. Um, a really obvious and slightly tragic example is uh, Tolkien just doesn't write women. Mm. He never really has, and when he does, they are <clears throat> they're just not really very well fleshed out, there are some amazing scenes with female characters in Lord of the Rings. And uh, when they went to do The Hobbit, they wrote in a new character called Tariel, played by Evangeline Lilly, to Mm. give like a female presence, because there would be literally none. But those films don't pass Mm. the Bechdel test, even though they've added female characters into it. Um, Also, I'm just thinking. Sorry, did you want to finish your point? No, uh, I was going to say and then it looks like with the Rings of Power they've made a conscious effort to change that whether or not it passes the Bechdel test remains to be mm. seen but there's also a very terrible omission of the original Lord of, R- Lord of the Rings films not having a single person of colour in mm. them which like when you're dealing with fantasy yeah. you can do whatever you want there really isn't any, any, an excuse or like a specified skin colour yeah. for you to have made that decision which is one of like some of my favourite films unfortunately but it's like very sort of lacking yeah. in, that, in that department which is a shame Rings of Power changes uh, that. Star Wars, you know, uh, new, uh, the original trilogy is very bad at, at representation of both people of color and, and also of, of women as well. Yeah. Like apart from Leia, there's only like two other female characters, and they have like their um, their total amount of dialogue is like two minutes. Yeah. In the whole three films. Um, I was just thinking about. And even though Leia's awesome and very, like, you know, can save herself, she's also a princess that needs to be saved mm. by the her main character. Uh, Leia's the, one of the better princesses that needs to be saved in fiction, but still. Mm. I was just thinking as well, though, like when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Does that pass the Bechtel test? You know, you've got mm. a film written by uh, Nora Ephron. One of the better written. One of the better written, uh, beloved uh, films by a very talented um, female screenwriter. You have the character of Sally, who uh, you know is great fun and, and like played by mm. Meg Ryan. That uh, film's uh, almost like a like, dialogue like, all like, the way yeah. through, isn't it? It's like a wordy dialogue. But like all the conversations in that film are about sex and yes, love and relationships, and well, relationships. that's what films but about. the that's, that's yeah. film's about so it's 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 tricky isn't it it i think i think if you're gonna view use it as a, a, a if you are gonna play not play the game play use the tests yeah. uh, and, and view films in that way i think it should be done in a lighthearted is the wrong way but it's it's a way to uh kind of provoke a discussion and and not a way to like write films off entirely. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Similarly, on this note of representation in films, uh, Catherine went on to say, also, side note, but not totally unrelated, me and my mate both heavily despise the women coming together scene in Avengers mm. Infinity War. I think you mean Endgame. Uh, there is a little one in Infinity War, but they do oh, it yes, again I mean, in maybe, Endgame. Yeah. Uh, to, me, to me, it feels very forced and an attempt at feminism at the hands of a man. A moment of here we go, we included the women for you, that'll make our female audiences happy. Or if it was more sincere than that, it failed because it was so put together, only there to make a statement that it lacked any real impact. The scene could have nicely ended with Okoye saying, she's not alone, and saving Wanda. Wonder- oh, so you are talking about the Infinity oh, War one. yeah. With but the- there's an even... Bigger one, yeah. in game. okay. Okay, uh, but then I would have preferred it to move on to show badass female superhero shots fighting alongside men. Loving the podcast. I watched Down with Love the other night because I, I've had so many people say this. By the way, oh, watched Down with Love. Did they? Yeah, uh, loving podcast. I watched Down with Love the other night because of its mention of the pod and enjoyed it so much. Already thinking of a rewatch. All oh, the best to And yeah, and did your people who watched it enjoy it? Uh, I, we, we got another email before saying that they'd watched oh, yeah, yeah, it. And yeah. And right. I, someone I know has said they watched it because of the podcast. And, and they, they want to watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. they have enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm so so glad, down, down, down with, There are two scenes. Uh, oh, sorry. Downward Love. Down with Love is an absolute who. I'm really glad you watched it. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. James, sorry. I'm keen to watch it. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting. You've, you've mentioned the Infinity War scene, but I am thinking of the, yeah, the scene, which is what you've described, but, but times but five, which is in, the, in Endgame. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, It's exactly what you say it is. It does feel like a last minute thought. It's lazy lazy it's a I, lazy I, attempt at a much a bigger important thing you've got some very cool characters there i think the main the main uh point to take away from that was that you had 22 films by that point to <laughs> give lo- all of those characters yeah. you had like a really good shake at like fleshing out their individual stories yeah. and it didn't really make sense for the plot of them all to be in the battlefield at one time yeah. lovely as it is i don't think many people in my screening were cheering and being like yay like that's feminism that's like Pandering to, yeah, it pandering to something. Yeah. patronizing, actually. And it's a shame that, you know, in the following uh, year or two, they released Black Widow, which was like your chance with a huge star yeah. to release a story that just felt very, like, a bit poor and very inconsequential yeah. to the plot. Yeah. And I don't feel like I learned that much more about the character than I could have. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I have nothing more to add. I, I agree. Great email, Catherine. Thanks. For that. Yeah, Catherine, thank you so much. This next one is from Jamie. Oh, wait, sorry, actually, sorry. Oh, sorry. One last thing to say. Yeah. Do you know what I I remember, even when I was like in my teens and I watched this film and I remember thinking, that is really bad female writing, is um, bad writing of female characters, I should say. Yeah. Was the film 50-50. Do you ever see that with Joseph Gordon-Levitt Gordon when he's got yeah. cancer and he's shaming odds his head in the yeah. and it's yeah. given 50-50. There are three main female characters in that there's his girlfriend, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. There's his mother, played by Angelica Houston. And there's his doctor, played by... Um, or it might be his therapist, actually, played by Anna Kendry. Right. And the way the film sort of approaches that is really awkward. And mm. I think tries to go for humour, but leaves you just thinking... Ah. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard comes off as really annoying. And actually... Um, like, she, like, breaks up with she, him she, or something. She, like, yeah. sleeps behind his back. Yeah. And um, so she's shown to be, um, you know, distrustful and... Manipulative, and then Seth Rogen actually goes and calls it the C word. Yeah. Um, Angelica Houston is seen to be like emotionally overbearing and suffocating as a mother with this news. And then Anna Kendrick, like, I think when Joseph Gordon-Levitt first walks into her she's office, he's like underqualified or something. He's he's kind of like, "Oh, I didn't expect like he's surprised it's, it's made a thing that she is a, a woman, woman yeah, yeah. a young woman that um and I remember at the time thinking, "Oh, god, that film could have been so much better." Yeah. And it was really cuz it's trying to make it, like, a really earnest point about having cancer. Oh, yeah. And anyway, uh moving Which on. It's based on a true story of Seth Rogan's friend who ah, had cancer. Okay. Yeah. Was, was the bad, was the sexism in, uh, also a true story? No, <laughs> it could be. Anyway. Um this next one is from Jamie who writes in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and he says hi guys, really enjoying the podcast and has reinvigorated my love of going to the cinema. Whoa, that's, that. that's amazing. Specifically going to the cinema or do you mean like just watching films in general? You know what I mean? I'll take it either way. If going to, if to the we, cinema. We've done that. Oh, oh Thank you. Yeah, You're I mean, welcome. Going to the cinema is you guys, special. You guys have invigorated my love of cinema as well. Absolutely. We need content. It's got to be done. (laughs) Um, I was wandering through St. Albans at the weekend and walked past a pottery painting shop, as you do, and I saw the attached plate in the window. I will attach this photo onto the edit, but it is a photo (laughs) of the pink panther... And the Black Panther. <laughs> sort of hanging out, but they don't look, they look like they've been photoshopped onto each other. Yeah. They don't look like part of the same the universe. The two Panthers. I, I will put it up for you to see it. Um, oh look, for audio listeners, it's the strangest crossover I've seen. It's the plate with the Pink Panther and Black Panther standing together. It got me thinking, what crossovers would be possible on name alone? Some ideas of mine, Jason Bourne and Jason Voorhees, Friday yeah. 13th, True. and Eleven Stranger Things and 007. Because they're numbers, seven eleven. Yeah, I see oh, what you mean. Okay, maybe. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Keep up the good work, Jamie. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think I have any I crossovers don't. in my head except, for, I mean, because all Marvels crossovers now. No, uh, maybe Jaws, the villain from Bond, and Jaws, the shark. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I always, uh, I always feel that every time someone suggests a crossover, they always mention Jason Bourne. Mm. do you not find that yeah i feel like it's stuff in like four or five times it's always jason Bourne crossover with something yeah everyone really Name wants another jason Jay- Bourne crossover then oh, i don't know but people have just sent them i'm just saying that like, people have gone it could be jason Bourne, but i don't know i, I don't just know feel like i feel like something. most people go born and born v bond um jesus yeah. christ it's jason Bourne. oh jesus christ it's jason Bourne. uh Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I should hope you purchased that plate because that's pretty special. Imagine just like having your morning toast on that. (laughs) (laughs) You'll hope like Kevin Viney doesn't walk past that and just think about the copyright and who owns what. Um, You you can hear the trailer music now, redone. (laughs) Bum (laughs) bum bum bum, boom. No, yeah, it's a. (laughs) This (laughs) summer. (laughs) This (laughs) summer. I'm the Pink Panther. <laughs> He's just like walking through Wakanda, like yeah, having yeah, a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Inspector Cluzo behind him, yeah. but like it's everything's made of adamantium <laughs> or whatever. Does your dog bite? <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour, uh, well, it's good to be in Wakanda. <laughs> Everyone turns up waiting for Wakanda forever. Yeah. And they get a 90 minute movie of Inspector Cluso around the ground, yeah. pratfalling. Just like, like behind a rock doing this. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's Steve Martin, isn't it? <laughs> 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 Esunenberger. Uh, yes. Follow that I man. <laughs> <of Wakanda. laughs> Oh, uh, we're we'll going to forever.
1: It is what we're going to forever. One ticket for.
0: This next one is from Daniel, regular writer into the show, Daniel Z. That's all I'll say. Daniel hey, Z. Hey, Dan Z. Um, <laughs> Dan Z. Hi, guys. I can't seem to remember if this has been brought up before, but I was wondering on your guys' take on the floating head movie poster trend that a lot of recent films have seemed to adopt. It's obviously very popular within the MCU, but more and more other films seem to be using the style of marketing rather than the creative approach. Do you think that this may take away certain aspects from the film, using only the recognizability of the large stars to promote their work rather than something engaging? To me, it seems a bit of a cop-out and annoys me slightly when a fan art with a little to no budget can produce amazing posters compared to these larger studios. Sorry for the mini, mini rant. Try to keep it short and sweet. Love your work, boys. Keep it up. Often, when people say in the emails, "I'm sorry for the long rant," it's not actually been that long. No, I li- I, we like you to keep it pithy if you can, because otherwise it takes us to longer make onto the show. A well written email, but, um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, that was a well written email. Uh, James, could you explain the floating? I'm, f- I'm finding it hard to picture that the floating head. To, like all the Avengers have been floating heads, so you've got like the head and shoulders of a character, and their torso just sort of amorphously blends into the background, and you've got lots of heads. There's The Star Wars posters are all floating heads. So you've got like Uh, Ray there, and then like Kylo on the other side, and then it's like Finn pointing a gun, just lots of heads sticking out. Whereas an example of a non floating head poster would be a famous one the poster for Parasite. Right. right, that is people like presented in, a, this, like, in an actual house. environment. In an actual yes. environment with like yeah. the text, uh, but yeah, it's just usually what you do for a big blockbuster to show off your cast. Yeah, um, Spider-Man: No Way Home did one because you had all the characters and like the villains there, and also like uh, Avengers: Infinity War, just like so many characters. Yeah, on the Thanos. Like you just do to, to show off. I think uh, I want to say Star Wars popularized it, but I could be talking out my ass. Um, I don't have a problem necessarily with it. I I, I understand I. I do agree that there is much more interesting poster the design. Prestige is a real floating head one. Yes, with you the Whispy, wispy, wispy yeah. thing, and then just Christian Bell and, and right. Hugh Chapman. It doesn't really tell you I much. I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's not a great poster. That no, that you film. could have done something way well, cooler. I, I know that there are um, often teaser, teaser art, teaser posters for films, yeah. and fan art is much more interesting because mm-hmm. then they're setting a concept and not like the main action or the, or the start. I mean. Look, it's a financial enterprise. They've got to sell the star, right? I, I get in it. it. But that's why, actually, often genre films have a much of interest. like We talked about the, the get out poster with this, yeah. because that, that's selling an, a, a feeling, yeah. an experience, and an emotion. Um, there are wonderful fan arts out there uh, of of cult films and everything that that, that really engage with the idea brilliantly. I mean, one of my I mean, this was a a teaser or the, the It one with the balloon. That's a cool one. Yeah, yeah. and um, so a, a teaser poster I always liked for a very bad film was the Batman v Superman one where it was Superman's poster that had been ripped off to reveal oh, Batman yeah. underneath. I always yeah. quite liked that. That's cool. Um, I think um. And then they also did, like, the Superman logo, like, slapped onto the Batman logo. I know, just just in case you are in doubt. Um, There was a... uh, Just a random tangent about poster design, which I do find really interesting, and we could almost make a whole other segment, Mm. but um, uh, Polish film posters from between the 50s and 70s were kind of regarded as uh, really influential in, in film poster design, because due to communist censorship, they weren't allowed to really sell... The Western leads, you know, or the or the Western idea as such. So the way they had to design a film poster was much more abstract and much more, well, yeah, abstract. So, um, they would pick out like one motif within a film or one image, and then make that like the main one. So sometimes, Uh, if you go back and look at Polish film posters from that era, yeah, they are really striking. So I mean, uh, the one example that comes to my mind is a Matter of Life and Death, which is actually a film from the forties, but it was you know rerun later on, and and um. You know, they didn't want to show any of the stars or the British military because it's a, you know, Pound and film. What they did instead was pick up this one image, which is only in, in the film very fleeting lately, which is a rose that's fallen on some steps and the petals are sort of wilting down. And what uh. it does, is it takes that one image and then creates a soul mood from that. Yeah. It's quite an interesting um, sort of period of film history. You want to hope really people really sit down and think about it? Like yeah. the American. Speaking of Rose, American Beauty. That's a famous one. That's like yes. evocative and well, it's it minimal you as well. Minimal, yeah. I, think I do love, a, you know, a good film poster, a minimal film poster. You kind of want to frame it and, mm. and, and, and look. The, we I've talked, talked about it. the Exorcist poster being iconic and being like, almost oh, with a, a, a printed screen grab. Yes, of that, and of that and scene. informed by art history. Oh, the Melancholia. Um, uh, do you know the Melancholia the, poster with the the, the the tie? It's like a tie dye type thing. No, no, you know. Melancholia. You know the Last Montreal film we talked about. Yeah, before, yeah, yeah. It's Kirsten Dunst. In she's. It's the Pre-Raphaelite painting where she's in the in the water. It's Ophelia, Ophelia drowning in the water. Oh yeah. You know the if I showed you them side by side, you would be like, oh yeah, my god, that's so interesting. Um, Lovely. Um, Well, there you go. That's all the emails that we had this week. Thank you so much for sending them in. Don't forget, if you wanted to send an email into the show, you can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We really do love uh, hearing from you, and so thank you so much. James, as ever, let's finish with the game. Let's Let's do do another round of film antonyms. Okay. And I know they're not technically antonyms. Perfect antonyms. It's a very broad, you know, it's an opposite. But you know what, guys? It's all fun and games. It's a game. Literally. Just have fun. Right. Okay, James, are you ready? Yeah. Guess the movie based on its opposite film title in three, two, one. You, human. Uh, Me, alien. No. What? What? (laughs) What? You, human my robot (laughs) ugly and green pretty and pink it's a horrible death it's a wonderful life big mr rain small Mrs. a little bit sunshine the dimming the brightening the the lightning the 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 shining yes ugly and the gentleman uh 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 pretty beauty and the beast creation later apocalypse now half wood t-shirt soft a full metal jacket (laughs) yes you are ordinary Um, I am special. I am special. I am. I I, I am legend. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, The pre-drinks. The the hangover. Yeah. The light peasant. The hard, dark. The dark night. Yes. Natives. Foreigners. (laughs) Natives. uh, Locals. Foreigners. Aliens. 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 Girls in the suburbs. Boys in the hood. Yeah, <laughs> clear-headed and understanding. Uh, dazed and confused. <laughs> Gleeful cow. Uh, sad. <laughs> Dear. Raging bull. Raging bull. <sighs> Talking in the sunshine. Singing in the rain. Broke adult. Rich kid. Richie yeah. rich. Yeah. Rich, narrow child. rich. Narrow it down. Narrow it down. Yes. Young. Rich. Million dollar baby. Oh, that's and good. lastly, that's good. forgiven. Forgiven, unforgiven, yes. <laughs> there Sometimes you go. It's I, I, like, I, I, like I can hear your brain it reel. Really it's like the clogs, <laughs> like, oh, the clogs, oh or God. the cogs. you the, cogs. <laughs> the, the clogs. shoes, <laughs> guys. That's, that's all it's we not got. working, <laughs> it's just dancing. I can't get it out of my mind. <laughs> oh. right. There you go, guys. That was a nice game. That's the end of the episode, James. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget that we post new episodes of the show every single Wednesday. And you know what, guys? You know what I'm going to say. We've got plenty of other content mm-hmm. on Instagram and on TikTok. Come come have a look. Come have a listen. Come have a like. And yes, give us a like, a subscribe, a follow, a comment, an email, a five-star thing on Spotify. It really helps us. It really keeps us going. And yeah, you might be watching this on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to us yet. Subscribe. Hit that like button and subscribe. It makes yes, a big difference. It, it really does. Um, thank you very That's much. Cool. And... See you next time. See you next week.